I think they do enough up yeah. front. They do enough to, like, I mean, not actually enough, but, like, that the, like, 70, 80% of stuff they're doing just, that the government's doing just for their own benefit kind of goes unnoticed by some people, unless you're, like, actually interested in, in digging and to find out what, if they're following through on promises they've mm-hmm. made and stuff like that. Because they're failing so many people, but there is a significant amount of social or public funding and like yeah. yeah I think Canada there's like a cert- there's enough of a culture of community care and it's growing through the pandemic and um, all the like social revolutions that have started to happen since the pandemic lockdown so it's definitely better for sure I mean yeah when you compare it to Nepal it's yeah. like oh yeah we're doing awesome <laughs> or then, it, for <laughs> most places actually yeah, yeah. like it was yeah. very humbling to I was like in a fellowship at a different university foreign university where like everyone was from all around the world 20 of us and like I just felt like I couldn't even say anything because some of the things that people are dealing with around the world oh. like the degree of government corruption where like you literally can't do anything wow and like like what's going on in Kashmir with India and oh yeah it's just like full on helpless like you can't it's very political very political and very unjust and we are dealing with injustices here and it's very sad in some areas like how big of the disparity is but relative to other countries where it's like literally unsafe to the scale is really different Mm -hmm. like relative like within Canada we live here this is our community we're gonna care about the things that are happening here and Mm so Suda and I are both really uh tuned into what's going on in our indigenous communities because that's our communities and so it there's a bit a lot of injustice going on what sort of improvements are needed to help improve the relationship between the government and the indigenous population in Canada. Well, right now the government of Canada is like they see themselves as being on top mm-hmm. and in charge of everything. Right. Whereas obviously indigenous people have been here for like thousands and thousands and thousands of years before. And so really there needs to be um more of a equal recognition. And for communities that want to for indigenous communities that want to, maybe not all of them do, but the ones that want to, to have their own independence to make all the decisions that they want to make and it not having to to go through the government. And along with that, having like the value of the land, having enough land for the community and also having like the money that they deserve for that land because all the land was bought so cheaply with the treaties and stuff. Right. And so, because one thing that the government is doing, which doesn't work, is they're like, oh, okay, you want your independence and sovereignty? Sure, there you go. And so then the community is left to figure everything out, which, you know, like water, like hydro, electricity, like all the stuff that really the government should, provides for ev- the rest of the country. And so, like, that's one thing is they're kind of, like, being like, okay, we'll give you your independence, but they don't actually share resources that everyone else in the country has, too. So it's a balance of, like, land back and cash back, which is them actually 
um, having reparations through the money that they deserve to have for the what the value of their land is. Wait, I thought they would provide the resources like the technological piece and the engineering and stuff like where you can actually build infrastructures around. There's the really weird, lands. really weird rules around like the way that uh, resources are distributed. Mm -hmm. Like for example, I don't know if this is everywhere, but um, like you'll notice this in like reserves that are within city limits is that the cities, the municipal municipality will not pick up garbage on the reserve because they're supposed to do it themselves. Really? And so like you'll see a big difference in like just even like city, um, what is that? Roads? Oh, services? Services. Okay. Services. When it's like, because, because the rules are different, like the reserves are under the jurisdiction of the federal government whereas the city is the municipal government. Right. And so like the funding and the allocation of resources is very different. And like there's like a really big case that came out around this. It was around like child welfare and the amount of money being put into that system. Um, they found that Cindy Blackstock who's like a really huge advocate and like at the front of this, she she like went, took the government to court for like more than a decade, just telling them like, you haven't been funding this system fairly and it's led to so many negative outcomes. Yeah, disparity. Yeah. For and generations. I, totally, and, and impacting, yeah, generations. Yeah. And then she, she ultimately won this case that I'm not explaining very well, but that's just like the bare outline is basically saying the government didn't fund this system properly. Like the, the amount of dollars by comparison, like on a reserve versus anyone outside of a reserve is like, it's a big difference. I don't know the exact number. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the exact number, so I don't want to say it. Yeah. But she ultimately won and found that they had severely underfunded it and that it led to it's led to so many difficulties within indigenous communities for kids yeah. who need extra health care support the jordan's principle that's so, what you're talking about no no oh, okay no it was about child welfare oh okay yeah but she was a part of jordan's principle coming into effect yeah if I were to give a birth to my child in the city of Vancouver, which is a municipal city, I would get child welfare, I'll get education, I'll get roads and everything, a good proper environment for my child to grow and rear. But if I were an indigenous person and I was on a reserve land, would I not get all those resources? It would be a different I want to say level. I don't know what the word is. The conditions. It's not every single reserve because I haven't been to every single one, but the um, amount of funding and the amount of funding that is being requested now that hasn't been given is like so big. They don't have enough funding to meet all the needs of, for example, updating a school that's got mold or is falling apart needs right. to be updated they don't have enough money to update the amount of things that need to be updated on reserves right now and so and then part of the history it has been that it is more difficult for governments band councils and every 
the people that govern these reserve communities, it's more difficult for them to borrow money from banks themselves because like, oh, we don't have enough money from the government. Let's borrow some money just like anyone else in Canada. Uh Well, there's barriers to that too. Mm -hmm. Even access to banking systems. Access to loans. Mm -hmm. And so in recent years, there's been some really amazing Indigenous leaders that are changing or putting forward some legislation so it's easier to borrow money as a band council. Mm-hmm. But the history up until now has been that it's very difficult and they don't get approved. So they're not getting enough money. The government's only allocating a certain amount and they're not allowed to borrow money themselves. So the infrastructure never yeah. gets updated. That leaves you nowhere. Yeah. It's just like static. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you, how do like, you what the hell? <laughs> So that's one of the that's really, so really weird things about... Mm. I mean, weird's not the word. Like, I would probably no, use some other words. Just. <laughs> and also, um, they have a house, but they cannot own it. They cannot sell, right? Mm. On indigenous lands? Yeah. Well, the same thing you were talking about, like, the, your story, Emma, about how... The Brahmins would lend them a hundred, but add an extra zero, and be like, "No, you're not done paying it back." The same thing is happening here in Indigenous communities, where the government will be like, "Our uncle was telling us about this. You went to court about it." Like they'll be like, "Okay, we have a hundred houses. It's rent to own, so you just slowly pay the mortgage off over twelve years or something." But then, because so many people were illiterate back in that day. A lot, like some of the elders are still paying off a hundred bucks every month. So they've paid what should have been, I think, thirty thousand is turning into multiple hundred thousand dollars for the houses, and they still don't technically own it. So that's, I mean, that's just one example in Saskatchewan, northern Saskatchewan. yeah. Do you mind telling us more about your Saskatchewan trip? What was the purpose? Like, what did you do? Mm. Well, I'm actually not talking about that project oh. yet. Oh, okay. It's a good one. Okay. Yeah. So do you mind talking about other projects that you've done in the past? Yeah, well, I've just finished a film, which is my first film, um, called Healing Nation, and it's about the intergenerational impact of taking indigenous kids away from their families and it's a it's to bring attention or just to provide a platform for more of those stories to be told um but also that's not the sole focus the focus is to you know have that opportunity to share those stories but also these people that have that i've been able to speak with have been on their own healing journeys and so they're talking about how they've been able to survive and thrive and and found ways to heal through such difficult circumstances and their circumstances there it's an environment created by the government of Canada and so that's that's the container of the film is like talking about how these policies have made it legal to take indigenous kids away from their families throughout the generations and it's always been legal so so clearly we're (laughs) i mean i'm pretty passionate about it and suna is too uh in her own ways like just about the injustices and things of canada around indigenous communities 
I think if we were in Nepal, we'd probably be the Tamang people that would be like, this isn't right. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was thinking in my head. In so many ways, Tamangs and the history of how Tamangs oh, yeah. were treated was very much similar to similar to native treated in Canada uh-huh. I, they're so so I remember like going to the village one time when I was there and it was all like we're stuck in the mud in our cars and stuff trying to go up the mountain and like there's these other Tamang guys who are like trying to dig the car out and stuff and I was like whoa it just like I we could have been on a res here like <laughs> just like the and also like the physicalities like the skin color the some of the, yeah, the like, shape of our eyes and totally yeah. it's so Chins. yeah it, i see a lot of like shared just i don't know yeah speaking yeah. of which like do you find any similarities what are some of the similarities and differences you've found because you both are like tamang as well as dani mm-hmm. um well, one thing, like, I remember when I was in astrology school, my teacher is part Tibetan, and he was talking about how you can actually see similarities in, like, um, some Navajo and, like, Tibetan, and, like, Tamang people are migrated from Tibet, so I think there are some shared culture, cultural, like, traditions. Um, and you can, he said you can hear the similarities in the songs, in, like, the instruments that are used, and, like, the rhythms or like tunes they're just on different octaves and like the the regalia and like some of the cultural clothing have like very similar colors and they both have that like triangle-ish pattern um and i I, my art when i was going to emily carr like i one of my projects it started off as like okay these are the different cultures i come from and just like drawing different photos that i had to like just like process and think about my different lineages but then it actually just showed me how similar they are just with like how the ceremonies happen and um like the way that like incense is used and stuff Mm -hmm. and so I see like cultural and values based similarities for sure I see a lot of similarities like when I I like yeah I think about myself as quite indigenous because like on my dad's side it's just a little bit like from his his mom and great and grandma but then like on my mom's side I feel like that we have a lot of indigenous blood and I just like I see it as different like different clans Mm -hmm. but also um yeah they kind of mean the same thing to me and they're just from different places in the world and at some point thousands and thousands of years ago um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was cultural exchange or like meeting yeah. of the two clans. Or they could have been from the same lineage. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I like thinking about that. Yeah, now that I think about it, they, they, uh, sukul, what is that called? Sukul. A dry mat. Like, mm-hmm. indigenous people also have a culture of like sitting on dry mats and so does mm-hmm. Tamang people and the weaving yeah yeah the weaving totally. the way they live their life totally. on a day-to-day basis the lifestyle yeah. totally and both are i don't know it does indigenous culture have like women taking charge sometimes it's there's all matriarchal okay yeah yeah, it is different for a nation. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. So women are taking care of children and making sure, you know, food on the table. 
but uh, men are going hunting and bringing gathering, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what I learned too in uh, First Nation. Yeah. Um, our culture, Tamang uh, women are very strong. Yeah. They they take care of everything, children, farm, and husband go to work. They just bring those salary, give it to women to, you know, make sure enough for end of the day. Mm-hmm. And they make decision on uh, anything they have to do. So that I am very proud of. The Which is people. polar opposite <laughs> of what the society is yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah the patriarchy yeah. thing going on. So husband would go to work and they bring money and give it to women. Mm-hmm. And women make sure that's what need to be spent on and what need to, for the home or what animal need to buy. So they do, they make a decision. Um, my first experience coming to Canada, and uh, we went to powwow in Mission, mm. just not too far. And um, they were playing drums, and that really connected me with Tamang. Mm. Our drum, they're oh, different drums. Drums, yeah, it's a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the drum is a different, different, uh, you know, made. But the rhythm really took me to home. Like dumpu. Like a dumpu, yeah. yeah. And they have those rhythm, you know, going. I just like, and they're singing. I didn't understand, but I enjoyed it. And there, I like those dancing. You know, Tamang dance a little bit different from other, mm-hmm. and they're dancing with their feet. And uh, you know, this mm-hmm. gentleman asked me to dance, and I was shy. You know, Nepali <laughs> lady. <laughs> then he went dancing. I said, No, 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 I didn't dance. But zigging, you know, you know, like that, and it really brought me. And then they're um, offering tobacco. Mm-hmm different way but uh, still like uh, that's uh, offering that tobacco is for ancestor mm-hmm. and uh, we do is uh, you know so you light it and then give mm. different way so yeah. that also made uh, similar that's true it's like the the protocols i noticed the protocols are very similar of like how you treat guests how gift giving like um, just how you interact and tend your relationships. That's the kind of thing that I noticed is very similar. And actually, I think is similar for lots of um, BIPOC cultures around the world. And, and, you know, there's even funny things on Instagram. Like, there was some Nordic... So many memes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. There's, like, Scandinavian or Nordic people who, for some reason, made the news because they were saying how they don't feed other families kids when they're at their house and then there's so many memes of like brown people being like yeah and all the brown people are like what because like (laughs) you know just even how you treat guests is like a big part of the spiritual about the cultural and spiritual protocols um yeah that's what i like the most about being indigenous is there's actually like ways that you're just like there's like the um some superstitions as well as just like yeah how you treat people mm-hmm. it's a, so much based on how you treat people and and animals and plants and like everything's a relationship that needs to be tended and that's the biggest thing that 
Western culture just like doesn't seem to understand or completely invalidates. Yeah. They ignore it, like blatantly. Yeah, I know. Like proudly. Yeah. Well, it's individualistic here. Oh, very. It's very about I was so sad getting ahead. I have a tea to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) The collectivist versus individualistic Mm -hmm. uh, perspective. It's it's mind-boggling to me just to Mm. how people can be so individualistic and self-centered about Mm -hmm. things that they want here it's it's sad it's actually one of the ways that it can feel a little isolating here Mm -hmm. and i think it's got gotten better over the last few years with social media and like communities found online Mm. but like to have i've been in friends situations where i don't think people really understood what it means to really have to show up for your family or to want to even and like um it just is hard to relate but also like there's like i think there's a way of families um at least nepali families maybe <coughs> i don't know if i can even generalize to nepali families <laughs> <laughs> well just like of when when you have um like a parent who's from a different country coming here there's more responsibility around helping whereas if you're like if I was in Nepal and Amo was in Nepal she wouldn't be leaning Mm. on me to or us to help navigate the systems over here but because you know it's just like some systems don't even make sense and you kind of just have to really be familiar with it on a weirdly I don't know. You just have to accept it without knowing it. Yeah, there's like a way of like being familiar, being able to navigate the systems Mm -hmm. here is a really big part of just being able to function. Yeah. And if English is your second language or if you're not great at navigating computer systems or things like that, It's, it's just like a different experience that I think a lot of like first generation kids of immigrant parents probably can relate to. It's just like that's part of our responsibility is yeah. making sure our parents are okay. You were the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And like little things that like families who are from here, they're just never going to know what it's like to help their mom or dad. <laughs> You're their passport finders. <laughs> You're their Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that Alma's figured out how to do voice to text, it's actually oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like life got a lot easier. <laughs> oh my god! Still, when I say sorry, it's a sorry. <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! Siri hasn't found the name Tori yet. Siri, <laughs> <No>. sorry, <laughs> and then I'm not sorry. Say sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> systems are made out of all English so mm-hmm. <laughs> there's another barrier there yeah <laughs> well one thing I would say just about like growing up in Canada um, as a brown person of mixed mixed race brown person <laughs> Every it's kind of hard to fill out like what, what what's your ethnic background <laughs> like, I have a lot of boxes to check off um But, yeah, so, like, I would say that growing up, it's very, um, 
like I said, like the reflective time is like in your 20s and 30s, like I'm 33, 33. So I understand it a lot more now. But like when I was young, I was in places that were mostly saturated with white people just because of where we were living. And so as a young person, I, it was ingrained in me that white was superior Mm-hmm. And I always, and I, and but like in, in like really subtle ways, like I knew that if I was with my dad, who is white, mm-hmm. I would get treated differently than if I was with my mom mm-hmm. and like three brown kids. <laughs> <laughs> I just, and like it True, wasn't like something true. ever talked about, but I was just like, I knew the experience was going to be different. So I knew life would be easier if I was more like my dad. Yeah. And so... You know, I remember being six years old and having a birthday party with all my white friends and everything. And my, uh, I remember telling my dad, when I grow up, I want to be white. Oh, <laughs> he must have been so disappointed. <laughs> well, our dad's like so like loves color and, and he like, hates oh. that he's white. Yeah. He's very, but okay, so like the extension of that story is that I had a birthday party where I got a present was like a white Barbie. And like at when we were when I was six years old, there was only white Barbies. Yeah. And yeah, so we never that. actually yeah. got any Barbies. Our dad never gave us any. But I got one finally. I was like, <laughs> yes, I have one. And it was like a gymnastics Barbie. I remember like the thrill I had. I was so <laughs> excited about this because I was like, my dad would never get me one of these. I have one. And I was like doing so many. I I remember playing with it. Like yeah. I don't have a lot of memories from being a kid, but I remember this Barbie. And I probably was, like, showing everyone, too. And then within a day or two, that Barbie was gone. <laughs> Where did it go? <laughs> oh, maybe I'll we'll never it? know, but I have my suspicions <laughs> because shortly after it was replaced by a couple anatomically correct brown dolls. <laughs> I was like, oh, where'd these dolls oh. come from? Wow, they look so human. <laughs> oh, that's a drama. Was it? No, I think it was Bua. Well, uh, oh I just gosh. remember losing a white Barbie and getting these, these dogs. <laughs> and it had a dukur and now... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could, like, feed them and then they would pee you, too. <laughs> did you just say dukur? Yeah, yeah, yeah she did. <laughs> I did. I said anatomically.